If Amy is back there. You know, we're actually very much uh, a team, and we have been from the start. But right now, with toddlers, she's pretty busy with, with uh, that when it's church. So I said, okay, when our baby is growing up, you can take a turn speaking and stuff. But for these years and stuff, I'm, for this season at least, I'm doing it. But um, I had a funny, when I saw the video with the shoebox, it reminded me of a story. Well, we've been in the Middle East, in the Muslim countries now, for almost 20 years. So this was in my first year in the Muslim world. I was in a country called Azerbaijan, which was certainly never somewhere I'd ever heard of, heard of but I don't expect you to. But it's one of those old Soviet countries, and it's Muslim and stuff, right? And I was, uh, and we were in an orphanage as part of an outreach team, and it was Christmas time, and we had all these shoe boxes. Uh, those kind, to give to the orphans. And someone had made a mistake, you know, because there's the girl, sh the shoeboxes for girls, and there's the ones for boys. And they had sent just an equal number of both, I don't know, like 25 of each or something. But the orphanage we went to with these boxes was all boys. And we didn't realize till we started giving them out that half of them were for girls. And we thought, oh no. If I was a boy and I opened my box and there was like Barbies and pink stuff, I would, be, I would be devastated. Well, these kids opened it and they didn't see the color at all. They were so happy. The boys were all so happy. They're holding up their dolls and their like pink pencils and stuff because to them, it was like their first pencil and their first toy and they were so happy about it. Nobody complained. They were just so happy. So anyways... I guess it's a good, really great thing, the shoeboxes. So good for you guys if you're, if you're doing that. Um, yeah, let's see. Cody Friesen. I'm from, I was born and grew up in Rosenort till I was six. And then I went to America with my family and grew up there. And then I got born again, born again, and full of the spirit when I was in university. And shortly afterwards, went overseas to the Muslim world, to Azerbaijan, and then to... Um, the middle to Israel and Palestine, that area there. So in this exact same time as that was happening to me, Amy, my wife, she was um, born in Canterbury, Deal, kind of southeast England. And around the same time I got saved, she got saved and went overseas to Tanzania. We were with, you know, YWAM. That's what we were as young people, so we went with that. And then she ended up in Israel. So she got there first and... Uh, we met in Bethlehem, of all places, actually. And, uh, yeah. And so our oldest son, the tall guy over there, was born in Bethlehem. And I always think, no one's going to believe that. So his, he's Oakley. He's 15, born in Bethlehem. Next to him is Joseph. He's 12, born in England. And then our two girls, Rosie and Daisy, are in the back, and they're born in Turkey. So today I want to bring some encouragements and maybe lessons from the Middle East. And... Um, Really, actually, my goal is, I thought about it, and I thought, okay, I don't care if you forget our names and our ministry and stuff. That's actually not so important. I want you to remember who God is in the stories that we are sharing, which, are happen, which happen to be from the Middle East. But wherever our stories are from, God is the same God there as he is here. So any lessons we learn over there, we can apply here. So I want us to look at God today in his word and through the stories and testimonies and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so it's been lovely to be here just with you guys already and sing together and um, 
So when we met in Israel, we fell in love and hadn't intended to stay there very long, but we stayed there for five years among the Palestinians, who are the Arabs, who are the ones in the news a lot. The Palestinians are not, um, not being particularly lovable these days. And they're pretty, it's pretty, we lived with them for five years. We had Arabic names. I was Abu Balut and she was M. Balut, which is father of the oak tree because of our son Oakley and mother of the oak tree. And we lived with them. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's quite a, it's a culture with lots of different great things and lots of different brutal things. But they're very passionate people, the Arabs. And when that passion is angry, Boy, it's, it, as you can see from the news, it's pretty rough. But, uh, and of course, we lived, we, so we knew great Palestinian believers who had been Muslims or who had been Orthodox and stuff, and now we're following Jesus. We know lots of great Jewish Messianic believers who have turned to the Messiah too. So when we watch the news, it's, it's quite a conflicting thing for us. And... Um, and we, yeah, with the Palestinians, I think, oh man, they, they're making themselves look so horrible. And I think, well, you know, actually what I've been thinking recently is me in a conflict is about equally stubborn and angry. You know, if you ask my wife when we have like a, you know, like a spat, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just like the people in God, just like fighting, just want to fight and not back down and stuff. So all the things that I, so it's just as amazing, it's just as amazing that Jesus cares about them as, or that he cares about me as it is that he cares about them, right? Because we're just as, as in need of Jesus as the most severe Islamic fundamentalists. And it's just as much of a miracle that he's reached us as it is that he's reaching them as well. So we have stories today of how God is reaching the Muslim people. And uh, before we started this leg of our life's journey, we're living in Steinbeck now for this year, we were in Antalya in Turkey. Um, it's a little bit similar to here. Like, okay, if you replace the snow with sand, <laughs> replace the pine trees with like palm trees and the corn and wheat with rocks and scrubby prickly plants and replace the um, big tall feed mills and churches, replace them with mosques and minarets and change the language. And every, so everything's different, really. <laughs> but, but otherwise, it's the same as here. Really. Uh, yeah, we lived there. We lived there, and, and, and our kids miss it a lot, even just in these. But it's nice being here in Steinbeck, in this region here. So as, before we left, me and my wife, we walked across this field, which we had across from our house. We lived right in the edge of a city of two million people, which they consider a smaller-sized city over there, actually. And we were walking in this field across from our house where every morning a shepherd would take his hundred sheep and go work his way across the field, eating what like, little grass they could find. And we walked and said to each other, what's God going to do next as we kind of step into this year of furlough, you know, visiting people and speaking in places, which we love doing, but also sabbatical where we take a time and say, God, what just happened in these last 20 years? And what do you want us to do in, this, in the next season? So that's part of what we're going to be doing too. But we knew we were going to move. And we thought about, when we think about the day we moved to that city, we moved from the capital city. And on the day we moved, this was maybe 10 years ago, that was back when ISIS was like a big thing. Remember when they were just, 
ex expanding and exploding in literal ways and non-literal ways. So on the day we moved from the capital, they blew up a suicide bomber in the crossroads that we drove on our way out just a few hours after we passed by. And it killed 100 people in Turkey. So, and they said, we're going to conquer Turkey. We're going to just keep on conquering. And they seemed so confident back then, and it didn't end up happening. But, um, but we got to Antalya, and it seemed lovelier because it was by the sea, so it was very pretty. It had mountains on one side with snow, and then the turquoise sea on the other side. But it had its darkness of its own, you know. And so we raised our family, these four kids so far, in a land that's almost completely Muslim. This would be, this is a big church to us, really, because there's not many churches that are this big and, and with this many mature believers and people in the Lord for a long time, this would never happen. In the churches that we've been in, sometimes we've said, raise your hand if you're the first believer in your family and everybody raises their hand. Or raise, the, or raise your hand if you're a believer within the past five years, everybody raises their hand. So there's no such thing as a, an old believer or a second generation believer that's all new. But, um, you know, if God's church can grow over there, it can grow anywhere, you know, and it, and it will. And over there, we, so we are living among the Turkish people in Israel and Palestine, that was among Arab speakers. And now in Turkey, we're living among Turkish people, but ministering really to people from Iran. So Persian people was kind of our focus. And, um, and you know, over there is a lot of persecution as well, right? And I don't want to romanticize it, but I will say with people from Iran, when you meet a Persian believer, and they're especially bold and especially... Um, just zealous for the Lord and witnessing and walking around singing and those kind of things, praising the Lord, they tend to be the ones that came to faith not, in, not outside Iran, where it's more free, actually inside Iran, where it's very dangerous, where actually the law is if you become a Christian and you've been Muslim, you should be put to death. You may not be, but you should be. And those are the ones that are the strongest believers in general. And uh, so I don't know why that works, but you know the favorite verse, I would say, from the Persian believers we've met? Their favorite verse is uh, Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? And they love that verse. And maybe that's why they're so strong in their faith sometimes, if they really soak that in. In, in Farsi, which is their language, they say like this, Eger chuda ba if God is for us, who can be against us? So that Persian language would be the language of some people in the Bible, like King Cyrus, who's the most famous Persian king. He's the one who helped the Jews go back to their land and rebuild their walls. Or King Darius would have spoken like that. Who is the, he's the one that shouted down into the Daniel's, uh, you know, the lion's den. Are you okay, Daniel? Queen Esther, remember the king that was with her? That was a Persian king. The Magi, they think they were, the Iranians are pretty sure they were Persian. Uh, I think a lot of different people think they're from their group, yeah. So Pentecost, there was Persians at Pentecost. 
So actually, it's quite interesting as we meet Iranians to help show them, you know, the Bible, you guys are quite important in this Bible. Your story weaves through it from quite, and it's quite positive too. The Persians tend to be the helpers of God's people and, and in that story. So, so I think we sometimes think it's kind of weird they haven't come to the Lord till now, but all that to say, raising our kids in that area is, has its unique challenges and benefits. And um, even though we've been far from our family and relatives who live in this part of the world, I'm glad our kids could have uh, a different type of uncles and aunts, like Uncle Milad, remember Milad? He was an uh, Iranian, he had been before we met him, just a few years before we met him, an Iranian young guy, rich, and didn't have to work, so he became an opium addict. That's a big thing over in that part of the world, opium. And he was rich and young and addicted to opium and somehow walked into a Christian meeting and met Christians, and the pastor of that meeting said to him, is there something I can pray for you for? And our, so Milad said, I don't know why I said it, because I would never say it, but I just came out of my mouth, I'm addicted to opium. And the pastor said, no, it's okay, we can pray for you. And so he prayed for him, and Milad said he could just feel the chains of addiction falling off of him, and when he left, he was free from opium and born again. And he got into a house church, which got raided, so he got put in jail and got beaten so badly that his back and fingers are still rough and in pain a lot, but he fled to Turkey, which is where we became friends with him, and he was friends of ours for a long time and got into minute and became a pastor uh, to his people and got married, and um, yeah, so I'm glad our kids could have uncles like that, right, and aunts like Hilai and uh, our last two babysitters were Turkish young ladies, and Amy spent lots of time with them. And now both of them are in ministry to their own young people, the Turkish young people. So if you babysit for us, be careful, you may become a missionary to Muslims or something like that. But, yeah. So God's opened the door for us um, over these 20 years to do different types of things. We got to preach and to, like, churches of... Persians and baptize them in the swimming pools or in the sea. Actually, I was reminded of one story. There was this, we had this Iranian friend who was a believer and his parents were Christians inside Iran where it's very difficult and they came to visit him once and they wanted to be baptized so we helped baptize them and the dad had an interesting testimony and I was reminded of it and I wanted to share it with you today. I felt from the Lord to share it with you because of this aspect of it. He had been a policeman as a Muslim inside Iran, a policeman, and it was his job to burn confiscated materials like Bibles. So he had been the one burning all these things, whatever, that got confiscated. And one Bible had ended up on his desk, and instead of burning it, he had stuck it in his desk, and just for a long time kept on thinking, oh, I need to get around to burning that. I need to get around to burning that. And of course, he never did, and he ended up looking at it and getting saved and eventually going to his wife and saying to her, you, this is really, you're probably going to leave me, but I'm a Christian. And she said, you won't believe it. I've been a Christian already for a while, but was scared to tell you. So, so they 
followed the, they followed the Lord right now inside Iran. And um, so this is my encouragement. If you, maybe there's somebody that's given some Bible or something, a seed, right, to somebody that you want to see come to the Lord. And don't give up on that because you never know when God is going to, at his time, breathe on that and, and bring that person to the Lord. So I will hope that encourages somebody today. It just came to my mind this morning. Um, the last few years, my wife, God turned my wife and I to a specific direction, which is art. We've, we were always artsy when we met. We took watercolor classes together in Bethlehem. And then it was kind of a hobby for us as we did all these, these different things and raised our kids. Well, we're still raising kids, but raised our kids and stuff. And I think it was a few years ago, God kind of switched our focus to doing artistic things more as a way to do ministry because, of course, whatever your hobby is and the thing that God's gifted you in, you can, God can use it, right? So that's been kind of what we're doing. And a few years back, we decided... There's a specific kind of art in the Middle East. It looks a bit like Chinese art or Japanese art, kind of like flat and uh, kind of complicated. It's lots of beautiful designs. And if you've seen a Persian carpet, right, you've seen how like floral and beautiful they are. So if you could imagine a Persian carpet, but instead of designs, in the middle are some figures. It's a certain, it's a Middle Eastern kind of art. So we always loved it. And we said, let's, I wonder if anybody's ever done Bible stories in that style. Well, it turns out nobody, maybe people have done one or two, but no one's ever really done a series of it. And uh, so we did. We started doing that, and we did a couple, and we thought, oh, that looks really pretty. And Amy's a really great painter, and well, I think so anyways. I mean, we, I think she's just great in every way, and I loved her painting. So we just kept on doing this, and it was COVID. And by the end of COVID, we had a whole series from... Genesis to heaven and everything in between. Made sure we got those ones that have the Persians in it. Because uh, just to show them, look guys, you're in the Bible, you know. Getting a good bunch about Jesus. And my wife likes to write, so she wrote poetry for each one. And the Middle Easterners love poetry. So I brought, so it turned into this, right? So we made a nice gift book. Called, we called it Jewels in the Dark. Believers in that part of the world are kind of like a jewel in a really dark place, and we are all like that to the Lord. We're precious. And um, so we made this gift book, and it has all those paintings and poems in it. And I just want to, we want to give you guys one for your church library. So here you go, Landmark Church. You put that in your library, and if you're curious, and then so there's a table on the back too, and we made prints of a lot of these pictures. So there's a whole bunch of prints. Little like, they're about this size, these pictures, and they look strange and Middle Eastern. Please, please go and take them, and if you think they're pretty, by all means, have some. And there's a, a copy of this book in Persian, which is what they speak in Iran or Afghanistan or Tajikistan, and there's a copy of it in Turkish. If you happen to know someone Turkish or Iranian, it's a very nice gift book, and you're very welcome to take it and give it to that person. But if not, it's okay too. But this will be in your church library then, right? Um... So that's kind of what we've been doing, and we want to print it in Arabic, and we need to reprint it in Persian because that was quite high demand and stuff. And So that's what we're doing. And if any of that is interesting to you and you want to be a part of it, the information's in the back too. But we're excited about that. In fact, our teammates, we've got teammates back, and they're Persian, and the dad of our teammates just 
smuggled some copies back into Iran through the border, and that was a dream of ours, to have our work uh, in that country. So we're really happy about what God's been doing. So that just to encourage you, whatever your gifting is, I would never have thought that whatever, you know, I just like to doodle and paint a bit here and there, and now God's using it. So whatever your thing is, you never know in God, how God could use it for him. Um, let's see. Let's switch to looking a bit more about Iran and the Bible. But since I'm talking about Iran and the Bible, I, I thought I would dress, I need to dress like a Persian cleric. I mean, obviously, it would be the thing to do, right? So, so I brought my Middle Eastern turban. My kids know I, I'd like to dress up in this every chance I get, so, yeah. yeah. There, okay. Okay, there we go. Okay, if you're a Middle Eastern priest or Muslim cleric, you might wear something like this, or if you lived in Iran a long time ago, you might have worn something like this, and uh, in the Bible, it's called Persia. So I wanted to read just a couple of verses from the Bible. I want you to try and guess which king this is, says these words. Uh, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. I would hear that and I would say, well, that's King David probably, right? No, that's King Cyrus, a Persian king. Has this command from God to help build him a house in Jerusalem. And I think that's pretty interesting. And I'll read another Persian king's words. They say, he says, he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion is to the end. He delivers, he rescues, he works signs and wonders in the heaven and the earth. And I think just, just soak those testimonies about who God is in. But interestingly, they were, that's from King Darius, the king who saw Daniel in the lion's den. And we tend to think about the Daniel side of things, but I also think, wow, look at the impact that that had on that king. He's just testifying to who God is, you know, which is what happens when people experience God. Um, yeah, so I already mentioned Esther's king and the Magi and Pentecost. So really, when I think about this country, of Iran, which you hear about in the news now, I guess sometimes too, you think, I think it's amazing to me that they're not Christian. Like, why aren't they Christian? And I kind of think, I kind of think of it like this, like when you're trying to start a campfire and you kind of get the spark, just the, the, the tinder to start, but it doesn't quite, it kind of fizzles out and you're like, oh, and you got to keep on trying till it starts. I feel like that's what happened is it just didn't quite catch or something. Um, I don't know if it was spiritual warfare or what, but now it's happening more. Now more, finally, more Persians and Middle Easterners are turning to the Lord. One reason, uh, one short story is one of the first missionaries to Iran was a guy called Henry. He's from England. Really, really smart young guy. And he went to, you know, Oxford and all that stuff. And this was 200 years ago. And he said, I want to go to Iran and translate the Bible into Persian, which of course meant he had to learn the language. And 
So he did. He went in his 20s to Persia, learned the language, studied his genius, and got the Bible translated into Persian. And like the next month or something, within the next year, he got tuberculosis and died. And he's buried over in, in that area now. Right? So he never saw anything come from that fruit, any fruit from his work. He just was faithful and he died. So now all of us, there's Persian Bibles by the thousands inside Iran, outside. Everyone comes from that translation from this guy, Henry. So now he's in the great cloud of witnesses and he can see what his work accomplished. But sometimes we, don't, we do something that God wants us to do and we don't see what happens in our lifetime. But just to encourage you, God will use the things that he asks you to do. Even if you, whether you do see it or don't see it, he was a key person. There's another group of people that are quite key, which is in Iran, the martyrs. So when about 40 years ago, Iran became very Islamic, like they are now, and there were these Christians that all of a sudden had to make a choice. What do we do? Do we be quiet or do we... Just go, just go for it. Put all our chips, you know, in. Just go for it all the way. And they did that. And they began to witness to Muslims. And Muslims became interested. So the government saw, oh, the number of Christians is growing. Growing as in from 20 to 40 or from 50 to 100. Like very small numbers. So the government arrested these guys and killed them. Which was a huge mistake. Because they became... There, these martyrs became heroes. And once the people saw, oh, these leaders aren't in it for the money. They're not in it for, for any gain. They'll, in fact, give their life just like the one that they're talking about gave his life. People got really serious, and it was a great testimony. And the, the gener the, those few martyrs had these kind of disciples, and those guys all became pastors and ministers to their own people. So... So that was really, uh, really something that changed things. So sometimes Amy and I drive, have been in very spiritually dark places. Maybe you can think of places you see on TV or places you've been where you're like, oh, this is just spiritually dark. Or maybe you see places in your life or around you where you just think the kingdom is not here yet. You know, the kingdom isn't here, maybe you see families where you're like, oh, they're so, if God's kingdom and presence could come to that house, it would be so different, so different, and in your own house, in your own life too, you know, we have that. And I want to encourage you, which is something me and Amy encourage ourselves with, when we're in those kind of places, with this verse, um, Zechariah 14.20, which talks about on that day, there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. And I don't know if you know that verse, but just, that verse, but just to think, there is this day coming which we'll see where somehow, even on the most insignificant little thing, like a horse's little bell, you look at it and it's going to say, someone's going to have inscribed that with holy to the Lord. Like everything will be finally focused on, on the Lord Jesus and on God and and that's something I'm really looking forward to. What was, what's, that gonna, what's landmark going to be like when everything, even the most little thing, is, is made to praise God? And we look, we'll find out, I guess, is the, is the thing. What's Turkey going to be like? What's Iran? What's Mecca going to be like when it's, it's Jesus's finally and he's the king there? I guess we'll find out. Um, 
I wanted to end with a few encouragements from our time, kind of lessons from the Middle East. Um, if we can take something out of our almost 20 years there, I'd say number one, we always remind ourselves, seek first the kingdom, God will add everything else to you. We never have lived in places that were quote unquote safe. We never had enough uh, support and all that kind of stuff. We are always in, well, going by faith. We didn't ever have very, we made a five-year plan once and it never, it didn't happen. We made a five-year plan to go back to Bethlehem and do this work with the Palestinians and like the next month we got a visa denied and we couldn't go back. So we just, we've been walking by faith, but we've been trying to seek the kingdom and that's what we remind ourselves when we're like, I don't know how this is going to work. We're in a bit of a season like that now. We don't know quite what's next. We know we want to minister and serve the Lord and We've got kids, and we want to serve them and minister to them too, so whatever. We're going to seek the kingdom, whatever that looks like. Number two, be holy. Be holy. That's such an important message to everybody. Be holy. Because, well, maybe you've heard of St. Augustine. He was an early Christian. He has a prayer which says, God, save me from the evil man, myself. And what I've seen is, okay, when ISIS was big and they said, we're going to blow up churches, and so we would go to church, we had to pass through security, and they would check our bags and everything, because ISIS really wanted to target foreigners and churches and stuff. So you would sit in church and think, oh my goodness, is something going to blow up in my church? Is this like my last, I would get really wound up about it, and I'd think, why am I here? All I'm thinking about is, am I going to get blown up? And the crazy thing is, nothing ever happened. We just went to, it was just like this. We went to church, praised God, you know, we were fine. All the people there, we, nobody ever heard us. But there was people there whose lives got, got messed up and taken out by their sin. So really, the most dangerous person to your life is probably you and the damage you can cause your life and those around you by, your, by not dealing with the sin. And, and changing your life to follow Jesus and inviting him into every part of your life. So be holy. That's much more of a danger. You know, unholiness is more dangerous than terrorism by far. So that's my second thing. Be willing. That's number three. Be willing. Just like it says in Isaiah, here I am, send me. Whatever God says, let's just try and have the heart to do it. Sow seed. Number four, sow seed. Wherever we, however we can, the gospel saying something, praying for somebody, giving something, some of that seed will produce fruit, and some of it won't, but some of it will. Um, and got, lastly, God is for us, and if he's for us, who can be against us? And whatever thing is in your life, and I tell my, our kids, we tell our kids, we're meeting lots of new people for the first time, and... Um, and our kids are more used to Middle Easterners, so it's new for them to be around Canadians. And I said, guys, just remember, everybody, we're, we're just people, we've got things we're excited about. We have, tend to, most of us tend to have some kind of crisis or challenge to some degree or another going on in our life. And so whatever that is in your life, just remember, God is for you. God's for you. Who can be against you? God's for you. And so I hope out of all of these uh, jumble of testimonies and stories from this guy dressed really weird. Uh, I hope that something in there encourages you from God's word. And thank you guys for having us. And let me just close with a prayer. 
So Lord Jesus, I really thank you for these brothers and sisters that we just get, uh, we met today, but we'll get to be with them for eternity. And they'll get to meet the believers from Turkey and Iran. And uh, it's gonna be amazing. And we'll get to look at little things like a bell and see that it, even that is praising you, God. That's the future that we're heading towards. And we long for that day when it's so full of you and your presence that it's unrecognizable, but it is recognizable. But in the, in the kingdom way, Lord. So now we ask that we, your people, could be set apart as holy, that we could have inscribed on our hearts, holy to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we keep our eyes on you, help our ears to hear your voice. Thank you that you will lead us, you will guide us into whatever you have for us, Lord, and we want to walk in complete faith. You see our weakness, so Lord, we ask for faith and strength, and I bless each person here in your name, Jesus, that the men would be mighty men of God, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, that the women would be also full of the Spirit and courage like Deborah, the wise warrior prophetess, that the children could be just a a great generation of Jesus' followers, that the couples could be like Priscilla and Aquila, serving you whatever way you have for them. And we pray for the hard places, whether it's this area, whether it's the Middle East, Lord, for the dark places. We just pray, let your kingdom come. We love you, Lord Jesus, and thank you. In your name I pray, amen. Um, Yeah, in the back, there's, if you want to get our updates, we send them once a month, and please take some of those pictures.